I would like to welcome you to Downey First Christian Church uh, here today. Um, I know that some of you, many of you know me, but if not, my name is Mark Shoke. I'm an associate pastor here at the church, and I'm excited to see you. Now, I know that there's many people who are here today. I know there's many people, if I look back into that camera, who are still at home for various reasons, whether they just continue to quarantine, uh, uh, they're there because somebody has gotten sick. That's actually the case with Pastor Josh and his family. They seem to mostly be fine, but that COVID bug decided to come and visit without asking permission first. And so the Phillips family, that's where they're at here today. Keep them in prayer if you would. Other people I know just are continuing to watch from home because that's something that they could do. They have found this that works for them. And we just want to say thank you for being here. But if you ever have an opportunity, please come join us here uh, in, on campus in person as we celebrate and worship God together. I suspect that there might be some people here today uh, or maybe even online watching, that this is their first time with us at Downey First Christian Church. And every week we like to just say welcome, that we're glad that you're here, and we want to not only say that, but we want to show that to you. And so the people who are here that have been coming for many weeks know what we're going to do here in just a moment, so clear your throats and get your hands warmed up and ready. But what I'm going to do is if you're here for the first time, I'm going to count to three, and when I do, I just say one, two, three, I'm going to have you raise your hand with me about that quick and put it back down. We just want to see that you you are here, that you're visiting, and maybe even at home, let us know. You do that, the rest of us are going to hoot and holler and cheer and let you know how excited we are, okay? So follow me if this is your first time here. On the count of three. One, two, three. Anybody here? Awesome. Great. So we've got some people. Very good. We have got some folks that are always here. Every week we have people that are here visiting with us, and we are just excited that you are here. And so thank you for doing that. Um, if you were here last week, you know that Pastor Josh began a new sermon series called Unmasked. He thought that was great. I mean, I, a lot of people are like, that mean we could just take our mask? Well, that's up to you, I guess. But that's not the point of his sermon series. But he's not here today, and he's going to pick that back up next week when we come back together so he can look at that. But for today, uh, we're going to go ahead and we're going to jump back in time, like a whole two weeks on the calendar, okay? If you could do that one there. Uh, if you were here two weeks ago, first Sunday of January, Pastor Josh gave us a message on vision. It was called Vision Sunday, and he shared some things with you. So um, if you weren't here two weeks ago, uh, or if your short-term memory isn't as sharp as it used to be, or if your short-term memory isn't as sharp as it used to be, whatever it is I end up saying there, we want to say to you, just listen and, and take some notes if you want along the way. We just want to be able to share part of what Pastor Josh talked about, but at the end of the message, he gave some steps. And then that was kind of the end of the message, go from there. We want to look at those and kind of expand on those a little bit. Pastor Josh said two weeks ago that DFCC, this was kind of the, the year of our city. He said that we wanted to make it where DFCC focuses less on our church needs, our specific church, and more on the needs uh, of our community, of our city that's around us. That was a goal for us for this coming year. He said that our church vision, we have one, a big vision for our church, and that is to reach the city of Downey with the hope of Jesus. Then he explained that we have something that we just call our mission. Our church has a mission, and that is to make disciples who love God love people, and serve the world. Pastor Josh concluded that message on that day with a story about faith, a comment about our view of DFCC, and a personal challenge to take steps in our spiritual life. And so what we've got here behind me in just a moment is we're gonna watch 
a, a video, about two and a half minute video of the conclusion of that message from two weeks ago where Josh discusses those things that I just mentioned and then we'll use that to launch into our message today. So watch this video here together. So there's this story, so there's this story that my dad would always tell me and it's a story about these two big buildings and there is this wire between the two buildings and there's this guy on one of the buildings and he's yelling down, how many of you believe that I can walk the wire from one side to the other? And everyone was like, yes, I believe. And so he walked. He walked, and then everybody, everybody was cheering. Then he's like, how many of you guys believe that I can go from one side to the other on a bicycle? And everyone's like, yes, we believe. And so he went from one side to the other side, and everyone started cheering. And then he said, how many of you believe that I can go from one side to the other side on a bicycle with a car in the back and a person in there? And everyone was like, yes, I believe. And then he's like, okay, who's going to volunteer to get into the car? Silence. So the reason why I share that is because when we talk about faith, and moving things forward and the vision for the future and all these things. Faith is about getting into that cart. Not just about cheering on. You may hear this message and you're like, oh yeah, pastor, you're so right. We got to reach our city. That's great. You may cheer it on. But faith is when you actually get into that cart and you're like, let's go, pastor. Let's do this together. And so what I'm asking you to do this morning is, is to be able to think about what we've talked about today and to be able to think about how you are going to place ownership and the things that we've talked about this morning. You see, some people, you call this church, that church. In other words, you may be here a few times, you maybe see the church from the outside, you're like, that church. Other people may say this church, because you come here, maybe you come here every Sunday. I don't want you to say that church. I don't want you to say this church. I want you to say my church. Because my church is about ownership. You are a part of this church. And what does that mean? That means that you come here every Sunday. That means that you participate in a growth group, that you serve in our church, that you give to our church, that you're part of what we're doing. That was the end of that message that he had talked about our vision and so many things and then left us with kind of that challenge. I'm not sure if you were taking some notes, but, but let me remind you, what Josh had said there is this. When it comes to the vision of our future, DFCC needs to be filled with people of faith. Not of faith that stands by and cheers for the plans of the pastor and all that he's laid out, but rather a faith that will jump in and join leadership to accomplish the vision at DFCC. Then Josh also went on to mention four ways or four steps to take ownership in my church. So, before we get into that, I started thinking, I need to answer that question of why. Like, why is taking ownership such a big deal? Why is owning something, something that we all kind of look forward to? It's a, an important concept. And so I started to think back, when did I own something? Like, I've owned things in my life, but I started thinking back to one of the first things that I remember really, truly owning. You'll see a picture up here on the screen here in a moment. It's a picture of me and my first car. That's 40 years ago, folks, just so you know. The person, the car is older, okay? But that was 40 years ago. As I'm standing there, you can see pride in my face. I'm like, I am excited that I owned a 20-year-old car at the time. Okay, I was so, I wish I had that car still, just so y'all know. That would probably make me some money. But, but that was a great car. I, I look at that picture and I just shake my head. I think, 
big, big but I look there, just wonderful. It's my old house. It brings back memories. But then I look at me and I laugh. And I'm like, little body, big hair. Then I look at myself in the mirror now and I'm like, big body, little hair. Like something got switched. It's like the reverse of that picture going on there. But the truth is, I look up there and I'm like, it's pride. That's the answer. Why is it important to have ownership? It's pride. And then I start thinking, no, that's not really the right answer. I mean, I look at that and I'm like, I get it. There was pride of ownership and I took care of the car, but I think it's really more than that. I wrote down that when we take ownership in something, I believe it's really more of a sign of maturity. More than pride, it's a sign of maturity. When you determine that something is an item that you want, or you begin taking steps to invest in it, or then you work hard to pay it off, eventually take ownership of it, whether it's a gaming system, a computer, a phone, a car, a home, whatever it is, when you invest your time, your talent, and your treasure into something, you're showing signs of maturity. You're taking steps that you didn't do before because this is something that is important to you. Yes, there's pride involved, like an ownership pride, but it's really more maturity. So I want to begin with this idea here that taking ownership in my church, that's what Pastor Josh said, take ownership in my church is really a sign of maturity in my faith. If you're not writing it down, let me say that one more time. Taking ownership in my church is really a sign of maturity in my faith. Me, you, everyone else. So Pastor Josh gave us this concept here that there's some steps to taking ownership in my church. He said it's attend worship service and participate in growth group, join a serve team and give cheerfully. If you're writing those down, we can end the sermon right now. That's the end of it. We're done. Except the guys aren't up here playing the piano, so I can't end right now. I'm going to keep on going. See, they should have been listening. So we're going to go through and look at these four things and just talk about them briefly and what it is that they mean. The first one is, this first uh, part of taking ownership, first step is the idea of attend a worship service. You're here. You're doing this. I would say do this on a regular basis. Unless there's a reason not to be here, please be here. Uh, how many of you are familiar with the TV quiz show Jeopardy? Oh, come on. How many of you are familiar with Jeopardy? There we go. At least the music. I know most people would know that because it plays. But this concept of Jeopardy is really, it's a reverse trivia format. I had to write it down so it makes sense to me even. Where the, the questions are phrased as the answers, but then the contestants have to give their answer phrased as a question, right? It seems a little backwards, but it totally works as soon as you figure out how all this lays out. Well, when I was looking at these answers for this week, how to take ownership, and the concept is attend a worship service, I realize it's a little bit of a question and answer in, in reverse order. Because we as a church, for a few years now, have been asking some key questions about what it is that we're doing. We have really kind of adopted this concept of a simple church or a more simplified church model where we're not trying to just do a bunch of stuff and a bunch of activities, but being very intentional about the things that we do and doing them to the best of our ability. So maybe doing less things better than doing more things and not doing them as well. Does that make some sense? And so for us, we began asking a number of questions which really lead us to these answers. For example, when we talk about this first concept in our mission of loving God, what we asked is, what can we as a church provide? 
that will help people to love God to the best of their ability. There are many things that you can do. There's many studies, there's many devotions, there's many meditations, there's many spiritual disciplines that we could give you. But at the end of the day, what we said that we as a church could do, the primary, the number one thing, not only thing, but the number one thing that we felt that we could do is provide a worship experience. And so when we ask the question, what's the best thing that we can provide for people to help them learn to love God better, we say a worship experience. So the answer to taking a step in ownership is attend a worship service. Does that make sense? It's not Jeopardy in here, but it is kind of the idea of the question came before the answer that I was giving to you. I wanted you to understand that. Loving God is really what our mission is, making disciples who love God. And we want you to know that that is one of the major steps you could take in taking ownership and making this my church. This isn't something we made up, something we find in scripture. If you have a Bible, you can look at Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 30. We see Jesus himself, this story taking place with him. The Bible says this, one of the scribes came near and heard them disputing with one another and seeing that he had answered them well, he meaning Jesus, he asked him, which commandment is first of all? Jesus answered, the first is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all of your strength. The reason why loving God is on our list is because Jesus said it's the greatest commandment. You read that in other places. He says this is the big thing, the number one thing that we ought to do. When you go through and you look at all that, it kind of gives a holistic picture of our love for God. It talks about loving God with all of our heart, which is uh, this sense of feeling and emotions that we're supposed to love him deeply and personally, kind of like a parent and a child or between a husband and a wife, a deep, deep love. The idea of soul refers to the entire person, uh, who you are and, and what you are. Like if somebody were to ask me, hey, you, who are you? I would say, I'm Mark. But if they say, but, but, but what are you? I would say, I, I'm a pastor, I'm a husband, I'm a teacher, I'm a son, I'm a father, but I'm a follower of Christ. It's, it's the what to my name, the what and the who. That's our soul. Jesus says, to love God with all of your mind. That's where all the, the intellectual comes in and, and we're encouraged to develop that intellect so that we can begin to understand and comprehend some of the vastness and the greatness of God. We should be able to look and study and research so we can grow in our mental understanding of him. And then it says, with all of your strength. This has nothing to do with how much you can bench press. But it signifies your energy output, your work, your job, whatever it is you put your energy into. And when you put all of those things together, it explodes with significance. We're to love God with everything. Every part of how he's created us is what we should give back to him in our love for him. Nothing should be off limits as Jesus had explained to us. Now, is that easy to do? Do we understand how to do all that? No, it's not always easy. No, I'm not gonna explain everything about that here today. Those are what other messages are for and other studies. We learn to do those things, but we just want you to know that we want you to attend a worship service as we help develop our love for God to the best of our ability. The second uh, step in taking ownership is to participate in a growth group. 
That answers the question of the loving people. Again, as a church, what can we do? What is the primary way we can help our church and the folks in our church to learn to love people better? And the answer we came up with is growth groups. The way people learn to love one another is in the idea of a group setting. We say this often, that people learn in rows. You're out here, you're, you're looking, sitting in the rows on Sunday morning with a one-way communication from here to there. But we encourage people and remind them that you will grow in circles. When you get out of the rows where you're just hearing something and move into a place where you can sit around in a circle or a square or a triangle or a trapezoid, whatever shape you want, I don't really care. But when you can get around face-to-face -face with people and interact with people and talk back and forth, rub off on one another, you will grow more so. And not only just in your knowledge of Scripture, but in your understanding of people and how to love people and how to be around people. And so we say this all the time, we want you to get into a growth group, to participate in one. Mark chapter 12, verse 31, the verse following what I just read, went on to say, the second greatest commandment is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these, said Jesus. Love God, love people. That's why they're on our list. That's why they're part of our mission because we know that this is exactly what Jesus was teaching us. And when they said, love your neighbor, that was up for big debate back in the time because they used to love to talk about stories in Scripture because good Jews believed that really the only people worth much of anything were other good Jews. If you were not a good Jew, on you. You weren't worth much. You weren't worth anything. And I'm saying that nicely from the pulpit. So the story of the Good Samaritan could also probably be called the story of the loving neighbor, if you think about it. It was the idea and the story behind it that somebody stepped out of their comfort zone and into another person's life, somebody that there was no reason for them to interact with and to do something loving for them. That was the story of the Good Samaritan. So this was something that would have caught a lot of people when they heard Jesus say, love your neighbor. They're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Who's my neighbor? Because they had courses. They probably had signs posted all around the city. This is a neighbor. This is not. Pictures, names, you name it. Because they were very clear. If you're a neighbor, we help you. If you're not a neighbor, we don't. Now that doesn't ring and set well with us nowadays, but that's really what we were dealing with back in the time of Scripture here. So we were learning to love our neighbor. We believe that happens best in participation of a growth group. In fact, the Bible goes on to tell us in John chapter 13, verse 35, it says that all people will know that you are my followers, Jesus said, if you do what? Love one another. That's what the Bible tells us. That's what the Bible teaches us. So I want to encourage you to consider a growth group. And wow, believe it or not, those are starting up in a couple more weeks. I mean, the timeliness, we do this right at the beginning of the year, but this message here today couldn't have fit much better into some of these things. We are going to do that. Matter of fact, there is a, a QR code that's going to pop up on the screen here, and it'll just stay up behind me. For those of you that don't understand that, it's not like a bad piece of art, okay? 
Take your phone out, go to camera mode, aim it at that, and while I'm talking, it'll lock in, and then it'll kind of give you a website that you click on it, and it'll take you to a digital version of a sign-up sheet. For those of you that have to have a paper copy, we have these available outside. You can pick up on the way out, but if you want a digital copy, you can do it. And if you've never done a QR code before, now's the time to try it while I'm talking. Just go, wow, that's kind of cool. But what we want to encourage you to do is find a group that works for you. There's various times, there's various people, there's various studies. Some are a follow-up discussion to the Sunday morning sermon. Some are an actual Bible study that they've chosen another topic. Some are in a Sunday school class where they're looking at things. Find a time, <coughs> excuse me, and a place and just sign up for one of these. You're going to commit to about four months to be with a group, whatever group it is you sign up for. Uh, again, you heard all these things. We meet at homes, we meet at the church, we meet in the morning and in the evening, we meet on different days. You build relationships, you discuss your faith, you learn to love people, you pray for one another, and of course you eat because that always makes things work, right? But we're going to gather together and try to grow in loving one another through growth groups. It's how we learn to be better neighbors. So if you have that, great. If you need to pick up a slip on the way out, fill it out, turn it in. We'll get you going. You're going to hear more about it in these next couple weeks. This third step in taking ownership is join a serve team. Now, those of you who've been around our church long enough, I just want you to know that's a new name for a ministry team. It's what we used to say, how do we do things? We used to have ministry teams. We just changed the terminology to serve team. But again, this answers that question how do we begin to take care of the needs of other people? Well, we serve them. And the only way to really serve them is to actually get up, get out, and go do something, probably for somebody. Now, I told this story, uh, this, this illustration a number of years ago, but I still laugh at it. Back in the mid-70s, about 1976, a brand new word broke onto the scene that quickly spread in the English language. That word was the word couch potato. I was looking for a picture of couch potato up there uh, on the internet, but I gotta be honest with you, most of them look just like the one of me standing next to my car, so I didn't wanna like put them up there at all, okay? I just couldn't, well, no. I just, I couldn't find a, a funny looking couch potato. We know what that is. It's just a couch potato, a lot of times we talk about is uh, somebody, uh, according to the dictionary at least, it says is a person who sits around and watches a lot of television and as a result has little time and or little desire to do much of anything else that's truly important. Now, we have funny pictures where it's a guy or a, a, a cartoon where somebody sunk into their couch and they've got like empty pizza box and bags of chips on the ground and a soda in one hand, remote in the other, and they're just kind of in sloth mode, okay? That's kind of what we get the idea here of a couch potato. But I want to, and I'm not advocating you go home and throw away the TV or the desserts and the chips, all those things. It's football season. There's always going to be time to sit down and watch something going on. I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. But I want us to say, in the church, if we think about it, there's probably a parallel image that we could come up with to the couch potato. And in the church, we can call them the pew potato. A pew potato is somebody who has turned going to church into a spectator sport. A pew potato is content with letting others do the work of the church. Pew Potato believes that everything is already covered by somebody else. And just like the couch potato, we can suffer from ill health 
uh, someone with couch potato could suffer from ill health, so can a church. They can be unhealthy and become ill if, if we just allow ourselves to remain a pew potato. If we say, we're not going to do anything, we're just going to allow everybody else to. Yes, there's lots of reasons why. I don't have the right skills, and I'm not the, the paid professional. That's what we pay you guys for doing, and, or I'm too young, or I'm too old, or I'm too busy, or I'm, look, we all have all of those things, but we don't want to just let this be a spectator sport. Nobody wants to be a pew potato. That shouldn't be our desire. And Christ himself had encouraged us to, to do things for one another and to serve one another. In Matthew chapter 20, verses 20 through 25, there's a story of the mother of James and John. You remember part of this. She went to Jesus and basically said, I have a request of you, Jesus. I want my two boys, these great boys I have here, I want them to be great in your kingdom. I want one to be on your right side and one to be on your left side. Basically, I want them to be your top dogs in your kingdom. That's just my simple request, Jesus. The Bible says this, out of the Living Bible. It says, Jesus called his disciples together. Because after that, that interaction took place, you can imagine the disciples were all a little miffed with one another and at James and John and at their mom. Like, who do you think you are? There's 12 of us. Why is he going to pick two to be top dogs? It says, Jesus called his disciples together and he said, Among the heathen, kings and tyrants and minor officials, lord power over those beneath them. But among you, it is to be quite different. Anyone wanting to be a leader among you must be your servant. And if you want to be right at the top, you must serve like a slave. Your attitude must be like my own. For I, the Messiah, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. I don't know if you saw that, but Jesus said, look, I, the king of the universe, <laughs> am here and I'm not to be served, I'm here to serve others. That's our goal, that's what we ought to be looking at, that's what we read through scripture, that's why it's important to us, to serve one another, because again, it's what's laid out by Christ. There are ways to do that, and what I want to tell you is there is a great way to figure some of that out, like how do I go about serving, what do I start to do? Well, you can come up and ask me, and we can find jobs for you, we can find ways to serve, but we want to make sure it's something that interest you and something that is how you're wired, something that you want to be doing. And one of the ways we do this, I want to encourage you, if you haven't done this yet, at some point, go through our growth track system that we have. Part of growth track is going to hear a little bit about this, but part of the whole three weeks that we get together is a time to discover who you are, how you're wired, and what it is that we can be doing. And as our ministry, excuse me, as our serve teams continue to roll out, we'll be able to get people plugged into these different areas of ministry and serving in ways that are of interest to you so that we can keep doing what we're doing. The way you have, make that happen, if you want, is again, let me know. Uh, or take this card in front of you, in, in front of the back of the chair, and write your name on there, and just write the word serve, if you want. Which means, Mark, get a hold of me, because I want to talk to you about what this means, or what we can do, or something about growth track. So those are the first three steps, which help us um, really to... Um, accomplish the mission that we talked about, which is making disciples who love God, love people, serve the world. This fourth idea here of taking ownership, Pastor Josh said, is give cheerfully. The first three accomplish the mission. The fourth one, giving cheerfully, is how we provide resources to fulfill our vision, reaching the city with the hope of Christ. 
If our goal is to reach Downey, it takes people and it takes finances. God is not limited to our general fund or by our bank account. Like, there's no limits for God on that at all. But he knows that finances are a huge part of our life and our attitude about finances reflect really our attitude about him and what's important to us. Because we all know that if we go back, right, and look at our calendar or looking into our bank account, you can kind of figure out what's important to you by just looking in those two major areas of your life. So we say that all the time. We want people to help. We want people to do that and to support the ministry of the church so that we can reach the city with the hope of Christ. That's one of our core values here. We say that generosity is our privilege. God has given to us abundantly. We can give abundantly back and to bring that same news and hope to a city that desperately needs it. Now, I know some people, um, you know, don't quite understand, you know, why did God decide a certain way? Why do some people get more blessings than others? Or why isn't my portion of his plan bigger than it is? Now, I don't know. I got to tell you, there's times I've thought that too. Why don't I make more money? Why don't I have a bigger bank? I don't know the answers to that. So I just come back to a passage of scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, where I stick with Paul's advice about what I have and what I ought to give. Paul says, here is something to remember. The one who plants only a little will gather only a little. And the one who plants a lot will gather a lot. Each of you should give what you have decided in your hearts to give. You shouldn't give if you don't want to. You shouldn't give because you are forced to. God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to shower all kinds of blessings on you. So in all things and at all times, you will have everything you need. You will do more and more good works. Again, I don't know why God chooses to give out what he gives out to whom he gives it out to. I just know that we can have an attitude that Paul says, which is a right one when it comes to this. Now, I will say this. After telling you that, yes, finances are a part of uh, a step in um, taking ownership at our church, and we need those to reach our city with our vision, I will say that some people will say, but pastor, I hear you and I believe that, but I just don't have the financial means to do that. Like, life's been tough, and it has been. Finances have been difficult for a lot of people. I understand all that. And I do know that these last couple of years and with COVID has really messed things up even more so for a lot of folks. But I do want to mention this. For a number of years, about 12 years ago, we started teaching something called Financial Peace University here at our church. It was a way to help people understand God's perspective or biblical concepts about saving money, using money, spending money. It's what you would hear through sermons, but in a bit of more of a teaching format and to help people with the real nuts and bolts of how to do this budget thing and make life work for you. In about an eight-year span, we ran about 26, I think I counted, of those courses, about three a year, and I taught every single one of them or had my hands in it. I love it. It's seeing people get their finances in order and turn around has been incredible. But we haven't done this for the last three and a half years. We've been kind of busy with other stuff around here. We've had uh, 150th anniversary. We've had remodeling. We've had change of pastors. We've had COVID. We've had all sorts of stuff, but it's time to get back to it. And so if you have an interest in hearing, okay, I want to do what you talk about, but I don't know how to make it happen, I'm going to ask you once again to write on your card, the one that's in front of you, or take one out, just put your name there, or just write financial piece, or FPU, or a dollar sign, or something, and I'll get a hold of you with more information in the coming weeks about all of this.
I want to conclude and put all this stuff together by repeating the core of what Pastor Josh told us two weeks ago. He said that when it comes to the vision of our future, DFCC needs to be filled with people of faith, not the kind of faith that stands by and cheers for the pastor's plan, but rather a faith that jumps in to that cart and joins the leadership to accomplish the vision of DFCC. We do that by taking steps to ownership and making this my church, not that church, this church, my church. Now, I know much of what you heard today has been um, a repeat. It's been something told again. Sometimes you're like, I've heard all that before. I know. But there's things that I really like that I listen to and do again. There's movies that I rewatch, books I'll reread, songs I listen to over and over. There's celebrations I'll go to. There is a story they'll tell. Like the things that we really truly like and believe in, we watch them, read them, do them again and again, over and over because they're important to us. We're letting you know that these are favorites of church. These are things that are important to church. My prayer for you, my prayer for me, and maybe your prayer for yourself is that these also become your favorites and what's important to you. I'm gonna ask you if you would go ahead and let's bow our heads and let's close out our time in prayer. Father God, just thank you again that we could take the concepts that we talked about a couple weeks ago uh, for um, our vision Sunday and to expand on them and to, to give some real uh, uh, meat to the, the, the topics and some understanding and some practical steps to making this happen. Lord, there is so much in your word. There is so much that we could teach. Help us each and every time to be able to take this and to expand on it and to do the things that we need to do because we have an opportunity to serve here. Lord, we love you. Help us to make this my church and to fall in love with the ways that we go about doing it and what it is that we desire to do at Downey First Christian. In your son's name I pray, amen.